All right, welcome to the Knife Journal Podcast. My name is Kyle Versteg. I'm here with James Noka, and this is episode 58. Welcome aboard, people. Podcast listeners, we love you all. Yep. How's that, how's, what's been going on? You've been uh, digging out like buffalo, or not so bad? No, that we, we only got about three inches of snow up here, and yeah. uh, it's it's melting now because it warmed up today. Yeah, we've got, uh, we got about three, uh, about two and a half feet, I think, total. Jeez. Not like Buffalo, and it's it's warmed up today. I don't even know what the temperature is outside right now. Yeah, like but it's it's warmed up quite a bit today, and it's uh, the snow is kind of packed. And but I was plowing. I mean, we were getting six inches overnight, and then six inches in a day for like the past week. Well, and and if it you, finally settled down. I mean, it's crotch deep. Well, if you look at Buffalo, they have that. Um, uh, there's photos of people's roofs where they're trying to shovel off the roofs and the snow is taller than the men walking around on the roof. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, amazing, I don't know, it? how do you even have a house that can, like, withstand that? Well, you have to have, you have to build it to code and to meet yeah. the snow loads, you know. I mean, that's a, <clears throat> if I lived there, I wouldn't have, I would have a metal roof. There'd be no way I would, I would try to deal with that with shingles because, you know, even when you're shoveling it off, I mean, shit, that stuff just... You you pull off the shingles and you know if you got a metal roof it you get one like one little spot he, starting to heat up and the whole roof will heat up and, and slide all, all the snow will just yeah, yeah just slide off yeah and a lot of times it won't it it won't even stay on it long enough to usually it slides off on its own without you know it gets to a certain weight and then it just slides off yeah less uh, friction up there but still they were saying I you know I heard I don't know how true this is but I heard some numbers I was like eight feet of snow. I was like, and then I heard a twelve foot of snow. I was like, what? Twelve foot of snow? Yeah, that's crazy did, talk. Did you? I know. I mean, I saw pictures of doors blown in. You know, the snow covered up the doors, and and I saw um, I saw some pictures of people using snow blowers trying to trying to get out of their driveways and stuff. And they're like, it looks like you know seven eight foot of snow. Hmm. So I don't know. It's pretty bad. Pretty pretty bad. You know, just a just a um a good reason to have your pantry stocked yeah you know i mean with more than just bread <laughs> this is true so um uh anthony sent me a mud bug what's that it's a lockback sod buster okay See that? It's in. It's got paper micarta, natural paper micarta scales. Mm-hmm. It's got the typical carbon steel um, blade. Mm-hmm. That is that is the typical shape of a sodbuster. The handle. I think it's like a sodbuster kind of on steroids. It's a little bit bigger physically than a regular sodbuster. Uh huh. But it is actually a very nice folder, and it's in 1095. Uh-huh. And uh, I, mean, started, I started the patina on it already with, uh, with an apple. Oh, okay. And, uh, and uh, you know, it looks like it's going to be a really nice back pocket knife. Cool. Yeah, real sweetheart. And then another acquisition 
was this uh, teardrop jack. I think you have one of these. The case teardrop jack? Yeah, yeah, I have that. Yep. Where'd you get that? Um, Kaufman's hardware. Yeah, that's where I bought mine. Yep, he got some more of them in. Just a nice, boy, what a nice knife. Yep. What a, what a nice knife. So I think since the last time we did one of these, I had done the podcast with uh, Anthony. I don't think we had one between, have we? No, we haven't. So it's been quite a while. Anthony Scullumbrini is who he's talking about in the podcast is Gear Geeks Live, but I don't think they've released it yet because I went looking no. for it. And... Yeah, no, it's not up yet. I haven't seen it. Yeah. But uh, we chatted for like three hours. Yeah, you can. You can, you can... I might have. I might have pissed some people off, but well, you know how it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do. I do know how it is. Sometimes you know. I don't know. You can't. You can't be all things to all people. No. No. I told a couple nice stories though, and we had we had a good time. Huh. We had a good time. We were drinking scotch, and he's a nice guy. Hmm. Yeah. So what have you been what have you been doing with yourself? You've been making knives, I see. Yeah, tons and tons and tons. I got my uh shipment of heat treat stuff back from uh TM Hunt. Oh, by the way, he no. wants to come on. Um so whenever he gets Skype, uh I'll just record a quick thing with him. The three-way we could do a three-way Skype, but everybody's going to have to have earphones on because uh I'm not going to deal with echo crap. Right. And um, his um uh, he's going to record and, and then we'll just, we'll probably just splice it in. Yeah. Um, yeah. cause the audio is, uh, significantly decreased when you try to record directly from Skype. Um, but anyway, I got all my heat treat stuff back from him. So I've been trying to put handles on and finish all those. And then I've got that, uh, Grendel that's burning up the world. Mm-hmm. So I have to, I just do those as a one-off um, basis. I, I how, try many, to, how many of those have you made so far? Oh, I think I'm on five or six now. Um, the uh, I try to experiment to put a Hamon line on there, um, and it worked, <clears throat> but it's not as um, standy Audi as I'd want. So I'm just going to finish that one regular, and I think I think I troubleshooted it down to um, the problem being that uh, uh, I used O1 tool steel, mm-hmm. and it's a, Lon says, Lon Humphrey um, says that it's a through hardening steel, and that's probably the, the main problem, and that I should use something like uh, 1075 or 1095, which is a surface hardening steel, and I'd have better luck with it. Right. So, you know, you, you don't, unless you try it, you don't, there's no way you're going to read on the internet and figure all that crap out before you at least try, you know, one version of it. And then, you know, the guy, well, still, think, the guy who ordered it still gets a differentially heat-treated knife, which is pretty badass. So Right. Yeah. Well, I think uh, uh, I was thinking that maybe that such a small blade, you might have had some heat wouldn't have been so distinct because you didn't have quite as you know it's kind of hard to heat that one spot up and not heat the rest of it up and so i was wondering if that line of demarcation wasn't quite 
as pronounced because of the, maybe well, some heat bleed into the could, into the part was, that was covered. Could have could have been. Um, I doubt it though, because those are those are like an inch and a quarter tall, and you should mm -hmm. be able to get some pretty good um, differentiation with an inch and a quarter tall. I think the mistakes that I made were um, that I I didn't hand sand it all the way. Um, mm -hmm. I think if I if I do it again, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to use like a different steel and then hand sand it uh, uh, and then etch it. I think that'll work. I think W2 is also a real good steel for that that people talk about. So it makes it nice looking. I mean, it's it's a neat feature on those knives. Well, right, yeah, and it, it'd be cool to be able to do those uh, uh, Grendels that way. Um, but if I'm going to be doing hand sanding and stuff, and and people want that, then you know I'm not going to just sell that for the same price. <laughs> right, right, right. That's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. It's a neat feature. Makes it look. Makes it stand out. Yeah. Did now you etch that right? Yeah. Well, I I etched it, and it got a it got a little bit of a line on there. But I think again the the problem being that. Uh, it wasn't drastic enough, and I think there are two two reasons it's not drastic enough. One is that I didn't hand sand it enough, and the other is that it's the wrong steel. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, um, other than that, I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, that's mainly what I've been doing. Yeah. Of course, now it's time to start getting ready for uh, Thanksgiving. Yes. That's and that's what we're doing right now too. We've got I've got the whole fam damnly coming up. My kids, my grandkids. I'm so excited. My grandkids are coming. Sweet. And we got enough snow that I'm gonna be running around with the zombie and the snowmobiles and nice. I got a dog sled that I can pull them around in. And you know it's that time of year again to go down to the local feed store and get your five pounds of salted peanuts. What's that you, for? Do you guys? Oh, I don't know. It's just this time just of year. Snack you on go. Them. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> this time of year, um, it seems like all the feed stores always get in tons of peanuts, and they bag them up, uh -huh. tons of salted peanuts. And I don't know, that's just been a, every, every chance I get during this time of year, I always try to get those five-pound bags of peanuts, because they're pretty cheap. You know, they're, they just buy them in bulk, you know, and then they bag them up. Yeah. I want to say they're like, you know, like $5 for a five pound bag of salted peanuts uh -huh. and uh and i love them and it's like it's like a tradition around farming country that they always seem to have you know you go to the, the grain mill or the feed store and they seem to always have five pounds of peanuts <clears throat> so i don't know, just a habit i got into a long time it's like the only time i ever buy salted peanuts is when i can get them at the feed store yeah so i'm all excited about breaking into that and then and then the whole meat project thing is going like gangbusters. My wife is about ready to kill me. I've got like 35 pounds of meat <laughs> in, the, in the freezer. Yeah. Um, I did a capicola, man. You ought to see that thing. It is freaking awesome. Cool. I, uh, uh, you know, you take the, the, I think it's called the copa muscle. Copa yeah, muscle? yeah, yeah. Out of a, out of a, a butt. Out of pig? Yeah. Yep. And um, it's part of their you, deltoid. Yep, yep, yeah. exactly. And you uh, you trim that up nice and make it nice and rounded, and then you cure it with a certain amount of spices, and then you uh, 
take it out of that in, I don't know, seven, eight days, and then you wash it off, and then you put, um, cover it with paprika. Yeah. Like, like just coat it with paprika, and then hang it, let it dry. Yeah, they'll, they'll also put, um, in addition to paprika, depending on how spicy you want it, they'll put a little cayenne in there. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I don't like, pepper. I, yeah, I don't like it that spicy. Yeah, well, I mean, you just put a couple sprinkles, you know. Yep, and I made a bunch of Canadian bacon, and, and, uh which I really love. And then I did those um, brisola. Yeah. I did a, a big stack of brisola, and I did actually like a venison leg huh. that's uh, brisola too. Sounds like the dog. Sounds like the dog was, you know, and during the podcast, uh, Anthony wanted to, wanted him to, to, to bark and scream. He thought that that would have been funny if he was on there. and and uh, But no, he didn't. Huh. He he was totally asleep. Totally asleep. So deer season up here. Uh-huh. And uh I didn't see a deer. Yeah. I saw some tracks. I saw some tracks. Yeah, you gotta you guys have so much woods up there that, that they're not as concentrated as they are here. Like they get because we just have woods and like little spats here and there, you pretty much know that there's gonna be deer in there. Oh yeah. And so you can just drive hunt them. Yeah. Um uh which you may be able to do up there, but I think up there you're going to have to use a lot more scouting. Yeah. So pretty much all year long kind of be looking to where they are and and have trail yep. cams up and stuff like that to really yep, get that's a, that's pretty much the only way you can do it. Yeah. And you got it takes a lot of time. Yeah. You know, and and a lot of guys, you know, they go and uh they sit in the same spot every year and they they either yes or they know they see deer, but um, I don't know me. I I, I like to walk around, uh-huh. so I uh, I know it's not the um, uh, it's probably not the best way to do it, but it's a time thing, you yeah. know. And I I walk I stalk pretty quiet, walk around pretty quiet, uh-huh. take three steps, stop, look around, wait. Take three more steps. Walk. Look around. Wait. Yeah, I've done you know. it that way. It's uh, yeah. it's it's, uh, it's harder. Um, I kind of prefer to do the the scout and uh, do early season scouting, and then know where to put the stand, and know if you if back when I was doing a lot more of this, I didn't. Uh, there wasn't such a thing as trail cams. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, if you've got trail cameras up you know what deer are in the area right and so if you see some buck and you're like geez i don't know if i want to shoot this one because a bigger one might come along you're going to know if a bigger one is going to come along right you know because you know it's it's funny too a lot of people a lot of people up here actually road hunt which is it's somewhat illegal yeah (laughs) yeah probably not the best probably not the best way to do it but yeah, there are I don't. I don't do, do that. Too. I don't do that. But there's guys right now. I mean, we got enough snow. It's hard to walk in the woods. Yeah, um, we've got guys that are that are um, using snowmobiles, driving driving through the woods on snowmobiles because they cannot. Um, they just can't get, you know, around. Yeah. the The other thing you can do. Um, if there's if there's a lot of snow like that, is the deer can't get around either. Right. So what you can do is, uh, you know, figure out 
where their food source is and where they uh, where they're bedding down and where water is and take your snowmobile and make them a trail because mm -hmm. they'll use it you know if there's an easy way nice groomed trail they're gonna go ahead and uh, and uh, follow that trail so then you can set your stand up um, there go out at uh, dawn and go out at dusk and you'll you'll see deer because they're gonna use that easy easy trail um, yep other than that the other thing you can do is just take big long scouting hikes um, and just try to transect uh, a big section of land and sooner or later you're gonna come across uh, a trail and then you can you can kind of follow that and see where they're going and all that but you know with that much snow it's hard right I was uh, I was hunting with uh, actually using a um, uh, a 44 Magnum lever gun. Oh, cool! Which is uh, kind of one of those unusual uh, rifles for me to hunt with because I usually hunt with a, some kind of long range shooter. But mm -hmm. I, I never, I never stepped out of the woods. I mean, I was in the woods the whole time. I never had a, I probably never had a hundred yards. Well, I bet you I never had a hundred and fifty yard shot that I could have made in all of those, uh, in all the walking that I did. Hmm. But. But like I said, all I saw was, you know, it, it snowed like crazy opening day and they were, it just totally screwed them up and they were, they were immediately not running around. And I think people were having more success, uh, later on after, after the, the things had settled down and, and, uh, I think that that was, uh, that was, a one of those deals where it had to, they had to kind of get used to all the snow this early. Mm -hmm. And they they kind of change their and that, when that when it snows like that it changes their habits. So hmm. they had to get they had to get in tune with what was going on. With yeah. The snow. So um, let's see. Now, hunt, when is hunting season for you? Oh, that's we, already we passed, have, come and gone. Well, the, there's bow hunting now, but again, the problem being that you know I don't have land that I can go to. Mm-hmm. Um. So that that really doesn't do me any good, uh, but then uh, coming up like first week of December or something, there's shotgun season one, and then uh, like a week later it's shotgun two, and then there's like a muzzleloader season, and then a lot of times there's like a January antlerless season, and now, that's that's <clears throat> the one I do most often. During your shotgun season, are you allowed to use pistols? Yeah, yeah, that's what I usually use is my forty-four. Um, unless I'm with a a party that now is it just is it just I use my shotgun. Is it just pistols or is it can you use pistol uh, caliber rifles? No, just pistols. I think. I mean, I I think you'd be splitting hairs, but I think they only want you using pistol, shotgun, or muzzleloader during the gun seasons. Right. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's coming up. Uh, but I, I don't know if I'm going to do much this year. I might go the January antler list, but other than that. Just, just for meat. Yeah, that's all I'd want it for. I, I don't, yeah. I don't trophy hunt. Yeah. Well, you know, I, um, like I said, I did, I did some of that cured, uh, uh, what I did with the, with the, uh, um, the rear legs was I cured, and then I um, um, smoked, cold smoked. Okay. 
and they came out really nice looking. Sweet. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure that it's going to be very, very tasty when I slice into it. Nice. Yep. Yep. So I so had a, gonna... I had a a knife maker people should check out. Uh, I've seen some of his stuff. It's really good stuff. Uh, Sean Hatcher Knives. So if you go to HatcherKnives.com, um, you can see some of his stuff. He's got uh, really kind of neat handle stuff. Um, that's uh, he does a lot of kind of crazy handles with different uh, you know different materials and all those sorts of things. Um, it's a lot lot more trouble than I want to go to. <laughs> For it was what did you say it was Sean what it, Sean Hatcher so it's HatcherKnives.com. Um, I I saw his stuff on uh, on uh, on Jersey Devil. Ah. Um, but he he does a lot of the neat uh, stuff like uh, tapered tangs and then his uh, his handles are good. Um, and then he, he does really, really fancy, nice handles. And the fit and finish on his stuff is really good. Hmm. does look nice. Yeah, he does some pretty good work. Interesting recurves. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he, he's, of course, on the main page, he's got this big crazy thing. Um, but then if you look, if you look under uh, the knives section, he's got really nice stuff. He's even got some cleavers. Mm-hmm. Which gives me an idea, although I don't really use a cleaver all that much, because really the only thing to use a cleaver for is breaking bones. Right. You know what? You well depends. You could use a Chinese cleaver for vegetables. Yeah, but you could I, make yourself just, a Chinese cleaver. They're they're thin. I don't like those because they're not. I don't like that using a cleaver for that because it, it's just not as precise. You know. But I. Oh. Don't know. No, 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 no. The Chinese cleavers are real thin. They're like a kitchen knife. Yeah, I know. They're but thin, then thin, thin, thin. You don't, you don't get the. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe I'm being picky with my veggies, but I like a uh, a precise cut. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, like julienning stuff, and I don't know. I'm probably being too picky. Well, I think if you, I think if you got used to using it, you probably would be able to. You'd be okay. I mean, it's because you have it. They're deep, you know, so you have a lot of. Like you have a lot of control over it. Uh -huh. It's a, you have a surprising amount of control over it. Yeah, I, I like it. It's good for like lettuce, and it's good for uh, for chopping uh, like onions and that kind of stuff. That I have actually have a couple of them. Um, I found one at a yard sale, hmm. and uh, I really, I really, I really like them. I use them fairly often, but it, the problem with them, obviously, there's no point. You know, so what ends up happening is if you end up having to use two knives if you need a point for something. Yeah, and that's that's the issue is I kind of want one knife to do my vegetable prep, and I just yeah. like that. I just like a a typical chef knife, a seven inch bladed, nice thin chef knife. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, Hatcher knives, uh, check them out. Um, I know that he's uh, busy enough that he's not really taking any orders. You can get on a list, but. Um, he, he does neat stuff. I like his stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I got That's a... Very, very attractive. Yeah, he's doing good work. Um, and then I got a, uh, knife detective question, which I have solved. Mm. So, uh, let me see if I can get you here. It's, uh, Perry Mason knife detective. 
Bark River Knives offers the best combination of ultra-modern CNC components and old-world craftsmanship. All Bark River Knives are hand-convex ground and sharpened to perfect cutting geometry for the task they are designed to perform. Bark River Knives are available through our authorized dealers. And it was, yeah, it was actually on my, uh, I was, uh, it was on my, my, uh, knife Facebook page. Gotta find it here. Uh, so if you go to Versteg Blades, um, one of my friends wrote on there wondering what knife, uh, Les Stroud was using in a particular... Um, let me find it. Particular episode? Yeah. I got Was he using a heli knife? Was he using a heli knife? Nope. Um, Jared, okay, there it is. Okay, so the question was, what style of blade did I see Les Stroud using to split kindling on his Arctic Tundra episode? And I kind of went back and forth. Um, because if you look, um, Les Stroud has a knife out with Camillus um, called the 19090 Les Stroud Ultimate Survival Knife. Um, and it's, it looks kind of like a folding Puko. Um, but it's got a indexed uh, place for your finger. And it's a, um, it's got, the handle doesn't look super comfortable, but it's got the right shape kind of, you know. Mm -hmm. So for, so that was one thing, but then he posted later, he posted an actual photo of the thing and it's, it's, you're going to laugh. It's like a $10 knife. Huh. Um, it's the Winchester Hunter. Huh? Yeah. So why I use that? Um, I have no idea. Um, but it, it is a pretty neat little, uh, what's a $20 knife, I guess. But the, uh. It's so if you if you do an image search for that, it's it's a a pretty standard looking hunting knife um, with a with a place. Uh, it's got an indexed handle uh, and it's got uh, looks like nickel or steel bolsters with a wood handle on it. Um, and he probably he probably used that because you know that's probably the knife you'd have with you type of thing, you know. And he's right. he's kind of he's kind of shown you know what to do. So that that's a little knife detective for you. Nice. Now, uh let's talk about turkey prep. Well, did you uh okay. So okay. um how are you going to do your turkey?
little birdie Why do you fly upside down? I do my turkeys. I, I, this has come from years and years and years and years of watching my grandmother do it and moving to watching my father do it, and now we do it this way. Okay. We use, in fact, I use one of the roasters that I use is my grandma's turkey roaster. I don't okay. know if you've ever seen one of those things, yeah, yeah. but you, yeah. you can buy them. The, the ones you buy today are, I think, made by Nesco or there's another company Chicago that makes Chicago Metallic. Them. I think makes yeah. some too, but <clears throat> and they're not they're not near as deep as the one that my grandma had. I got from my grandmother and the one I got from my mom and dad. They're they're real deep. I think the one I got from my mom and dad is a Hobart, but they're old. They're like from the forties. Yeah, Hobart and, is a great company. Yep, by the way. Yep, yep. And uh, and so, um, what I do is I I peel the skin back, mm-hmm. and I take uh, butter. And I use and I make an herbed butter, mm-hmm. and I put underneath the skin between the skin and the meat, and I rub it all really good, uh-huh. and I just pop, just fill it up with butter, mm-hmm. and then I I roast it in the turkey roaster. Yeah, and uh, and it really comes out nice. Now this year I'm gonna do we do two turkeys because I always have like 20 people that come here. Right. So I got two 20 pound turkeys, and I'm gonna do one of them with a uh, traditional bread stuffing. Okay. And then the other one is going to be a Canadian meat stuffing. Okay. Um, it's it's like a, 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 the, the filling from um, uh, Canadian meat pies. So it's got some sausage and some ham. Oh, cool. Yeah. Some potato and some onion and some spices. And, and it really, you know, I mean, it's one of those things that makes the bird real real juicy. And, and my because I cook them in those roasters, they are always really, really juicy. I mean, I don't know what it is about those things. You know, people cook them in the ovens and they dry them out. Oh. And for some reason, I don't know if it's because of the the steam in them in the roaster or it keep, it captures it the way it's designed. I'm not quite sure, but it's all they're always real real juicy. Yeah. Well, and then people tend to cook them too long is the other thing. Um, yeah. And then I think the the way one reason you're having success is you're forming a a, a oil barrier. Which will prevent um, a big chunk of that uh, moisture from escaping. Yeah, that could be um, true. So, I always get questions: um, Do you brine your turkey? Um, and my answer is yes, if it is a fresh turkey that is not already brined. Yeah. Um, and the chances are you're not whatever turkey you buy is not going to be a fresh, unbrined turkey. Um, unless yeah, you unless you go to the meat market, and, yeah, you know, it, and I do that. Right, we, we get we get ours from our local meat market, and we have a huge turkey farm just south of us, a little ways, and mm-hmm. they, um, I that's probably where the turkeys. I'm assuming that they come from, uh-huh. but um, we get them from our local meat market, and and you order them. You say you want them 20 pounds or you want them 18 pounds, or whatever, and and they come real close, and I pick it up. I pick the ours up on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and so Wednesday, and I could I could brine it. Um, Wednesday all day because I put the I always put the butter in on thir- you know the morning of Thanksgiving. Yeah, is when I put the butter in. So yeah. I could brine it, but I haven't. Yeah, if if you're if you know it 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 does add something. Um, I just and and if if I'm trying to bake or make a fresh turkey, I will brine it. But 
Um, the, you know what? People are gonna laugh, but you want to know what kind of turkey I get? I get a butterball. Butter yeah, <laughs> I like butterball turkeys. I always have. They're they're delicious. Yep. They taste good, and so. Um, my have you ever have you ever done a wild turkey? I haven't. Um, and in in that case, I would brine the shit out of that thing for days <laughs> because it's going to be. You know, they're they're usually pretty tough. Yeah, so I would brine it, and then um, I have two preferred cooking methods. Um, my all-time favorite is to uh, smoke it, and then uh, while it's smoking, um, baste it with melted butter, uh, and you get a the juiciest, tastiest turkey you've ever had in your life with a nice crispy brown skin. And uh, yeah, that's my favorite way. Um, oftentimes the weather up north here does not allow me to do that. My second favorite way is to use a turkey fryer. Uh, and it's basically just a huge pot with a bunch of peanut oil in there. And you get it up to a certain temperature and you drop the turkey in. Not drop it because you'll get, I mean, they're dangerous as hell. But um, that's my second favorite way. Uh, it, they cook really quick and they're always perfect and juicy. Um, but a couple things you need to know is uh, the, the temperature for the oil. And if I remember right, I think it's 350. And then uh, whenever you're... It's like right. It's like just below the flash point. <laughs> right. Well, well, you use peanut oil, and the peanut oil on um, peanut oil has a flash point that's way high because that's what I a lot of times will uh, quench my knives in, and a lot of times that even at fifteen hundred degrees or whatever, it won't. Uh, it won't. doesn't flame up. No, some a lot of wow. times it doesn't. Um, sometimes wow. it does, but a lot of times it doesn't. Um, but the key thing, if you're going to do a fried turkey is you turn the flame off when you are moving the turkey. So when you're putting the turkey into the oil, you turn the flame off before you do that. And when you're moving the turkey out of the oil, you turn the flame off. So never move the turkey with the flame on. Because um, what happens is, is it's going to bubble up like crazy when you first put that turkey in there because there's a lot of water that's reacting with the hot oil. And it'll it can, if you have the oil too high or too big of a turkey, it can boil over the sides of the pot and uh, catch fire and then you've got a massive explosion there's a there's a uh, real good video floating around of a guy that that did it in a weber grill and it was in his garage when he put the turkey in it oh geez and of course it bubbled over and started flaming up and then it, the more it flamed the more it bubbled and yeah the more it bubbled the more it flamed it probably burned his house down no, he, he was able to grab the Weber grill and push it outside, but I was thinking that his turkey pretty much was probably toast. Yeah, well, uh, the times when I've, uh, a lot of times I've seen people get burned trying to push it outside. Just just have it outside in anyway, because what right. happened, a couple times I've seen it where um, the thing will catch on fire and they'll quick grab it and pull it outside. Meanwhile, it's burning the hell out of their arms and hands and they're sloshing right. hot oil on themselves. So, yeah. it, you know, that's that's my second favorite way, but it does require some uh, care. And Alton Brown has a good video on how to fry I have a turkey. A, <clears throat> I have a, uh, a turkey boiler, uh -huh. the burner part of it. I guess I have a big pot too. I yeah, the burner like the that. burner part is very handy for camping. Yeah, I use the I use the burner part for when I make maple syrup. 
Yeah, that's that's the ticket right there. I use it for yeah. all kinds of outdoor cooking, like chili yep. and big huge pots yep. of chili and stuff like that. Yep. I'll cook on there. In fact, we might with this group of people that I got coming over, we might uh, I might put mm-hmm. a big vat of potatoes uh, on it outside. Oh, I just lost Jim. a snafu that one was my fault the internet went down (laughs) actually usually mine's pretty reliable anyway uh, i think we've cooked that turkey pretty well (laughs) a couple other things uh people wanted us to yak about um lumber sexuals (laughs) did you see that video that uh yeah i did see that I actually laughed my ass off. Yeah. So actually if, pe- that was if people don't know, we've actually been talking about this for like over a year on the podcast. It's uh, hipsters, but um, certain hipsters have uh, morphed into wearing like flannel and uh, jeans. And for God's sakes, hipsters, please do not discover Carhartt. Um, but they wear like flannel and jeans and they carry around an axe and have a beard. And so they're calling that like lumber sexual. Because I thought these that are was the... absolutely a stitch. My wife laughed her ass off. She watched that video and just laughed her ass off. <laughs> it used to be that they, the, it's the same guys um, that in the past were like called metrosexuals. Um, but they've... You know, they, they're basically girly men that have, like, a very girly look. But they've decided they don't want to have that, like, twinkle anymore. Uh, and so now they have gone and, like, worn beards, and now they want to look like men for a while. So, <laughs> it's pretty funny. That's hilarious. Um, the yeah, video I don't is know. always pointing out, uh, and for people at home, it's a video called Rise of the Lumber Sexual by uh, Wrangler Star. Yeah, uh, and actually, you know it. what? His his videos are actually pretty good. Yeah, he's got some neat stuff. He, um, you know, especially like uh, outdoors, like working with uh, axes and you know doing framing of timbers and things like that. He's actually got some really good stuff. Yep, I recommend that channel. Yeah, um, you're making me yawn. Yeah, I don't have much time. <laughs> um. Yeah, that was a that that video was actually hilarious, and uh, I they 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 do ex- those people do exist those kids do exist, hmm. and they're like the 30, 30 year old crowd, thirty In or fact, under. Yeah, my wife and I went to dinner last night at a Thai restaurant, and there was a couple of guys dressed up in uh, nice uh, nice attire. I mean, they were. And and one of them had a um, uh, a checked Filson jacket, fe- checked Filson coat, wool coat over the top as his overcoat. And I thought, well, oh, he's That's probably some money. one of them. Yeah, he's probably one. What's of them. a yep. checked Filson coat? Well, like a double Mackinac. Yeah, so well, just it's a, a double Mackinac with coat. a yeah, but it's got the the typical uh, hunting. 
Yeah. Pattern, check pattern, red and red and yeah, black check I've pattern. Yeah, I've got I've got one of those. Yep. But it's not real, a filter. Real popular in the 60s and 50s. Yeah. But that's what um, uh, that's what he was wearing, and I thought, no, yeah, I bet you deep down he's probably one of them. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else? Uh, then the other thing, uh, people bitched about that for a lot. It was good fun. And then they were bitching about artificial patinas <laughs> on knives. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I thought that was a good line. An artificial patina is what they're putting on. Right. Well, that's that's what I said. Is like they they kind of want this patina of manliness without all the effort, and it's like turnkey manliness you can buy at the mall. Yeah. So yeah, um, that's kind of what I thought of the whole thing. Uh, and then yeah. a couple other topics. Uh, Corey Murphy wants us to talk about airsoft. <laughs> and the guys that like dress up in tack gear and all this and play yeah. airsoft, I, I I can't speak to that because yeah, I, I, I really don't know anything about it. No, I don't either. I I um, uh, I play with real guns. So you've got a Stormy Cromer hat on, I see. Oh yeah, he's yeah. from Michigan. They're from Michigan. Yeah, that's my this favorite. Company's from Michigan. I, I think I have one up here even. Yep, I've got a whole Michigan. bunch of those. But uh, this is a waxed. This is a waxed. Uh, um, the waxed cotton one. Okay. And, um, I have a wool one yeah. for when it's really, really cold. And then I have a Filson that's kind of like this too. Yeah. I've got, I've got like a half a dozen of these. This is my hunting one. Yeah. So it's hunter safety orange, nice wool cap. Um, so look, look those up guys. Actually the, the way I found out about them was through our, our man in the field. He's got a whole shit pot of them too. Yeah, there. Um, it's inter- It's an interesting story. I guess the guy was a professional baseball player, and that was his name, Stormy. Yeah. And um, he was also back then, back in nineteen in the nineteen hundreds, ball players. Even if they were quote unquote professional ball players, they never got paid much money. Yeah. And uh, what they did was uh, they had to have a job. Yeah, in the off and, season. Yeah, in the off season. So he was an engineer. Mm-hmm. And hey guys, stop! He was an engineer, railroad engineer, and so um, obviously they stick their head out the window all the time. And he had his wife sew on a ear flaps for his um, and his ball cap, yep. and then made the brim a little bit shorter yep. so that he could wear it while he was running his railroad. Yep. And hence, that's how they got started. Yeah, Come those on, are uh, those are. They're great little hats for the outdoors. I think Chance Sanders has a couple of them too. Yep. Um, yep. But they're they're actually from Michigan, so that's kind of cool. Now back on the subject of the airsoft, um, I I think maybe it'd be a neat way to do training um, with guys that really know what they're doing um, without actually getting killed. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, I don't know if that's how it's done or what. But well, I don't know how. I don't know how accurate. I mean, <clears throat> we use simunitions. Yeah, that's the. You, it's a real, real live ammo, but it's got like a paint cap on it, right? Yep. Yeah, yep, and exactly. they they hurt like hell. Yeah, and you yeah. got to change the springs on on your Glock or on your M4 or your MP. Yeah, because so, it doesn't have the enough oomph to push the slide back. Yeah. 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 Yep. So they but, put a uh, weaker spring. Yeah, there's so there's a there's if you're gonna do like training um, and beyond the like where where you actually have some uh, like feedback um, if you do something wrong, 
uh, there's these guys that they'll for their training course for like oh, well this is my course on how to like raid a house or this is my course on uh, how to clear you know a building or whatever and they'll have uh, you'll you'll have your your weapon and then they will put uh, rounds in it that have um, instead of uh, projectiles made of metal it'll be made of it'll be a little plastic cap with a little paint in there um, but they come out of there uh, and it, when you get shot with those I, I hear it's just like brutal oh yeah you get you bruise yeah uh, it's way way more intense than than paintball or any of these other things um, and the, you know the bad guys will have those and they will like if you fuck up you're gonna get shot you know yep yep and uh, anyway so maybe maybe that's an application for airsoft I just I just have never gotten into them. Mm -hmm. um, I I really don't know anything about it. There's and there's nobody around me that does it. You know. I know the I know the guns are very expensive. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know? I think it'd be it'd be way cooler if it was like like uh, you could actually get hurt bad. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know how accurate they are. I you know I don't know much about that stuff. Yeah. And then one other topic he wanted us to talk about is these um, pocket tools. Did you see that photo of those things? So it's it's all the rage now in the knife world is to have these little tools that can go on your keychain or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it'll have yeah. like, you know, uh, it'll have like a hex driver and a bottle opener and a, a like a little yeah. pry bar. Yeah, and a shackle breaker. Yeah, what's you know, that? You can open open up a shackle. What's a shackle breaker? So you can open up a shackle, you know, like a, a uh -oh. um, sailors use them quite a bit on their sails, rigging shackles. They're like a little U-shaped thing with a bolt that goes through it. Yeah, you're blinking. Yeah. Well, we we should uh, we should think about finishing up here. But what's a shackle well, breaker? <clears throat> it's a uh, Kathy. Can you push a button for me for some coffee, please? Um, shackle break shackles are are the U shape. Uh, it's like a link uh -huh. that you put a, that a bolt goes through it. Oh yeah yeah yeah, anchor, and they're both, flat and they're both, usually thumb anchor. Boat shackles. people use them. Yeah, anchor yeah. shackles. Uh, they use them on sailboats. You know that they the you sh you put the shackle on the sail. That's what holds the sail in place. Yeah yeah, and you you use it. Um, there's a lot of uses for those. Yeah, and so a shackle breaker is a is a uh, a little cutout. On one of those tools that slips over the end of the shackle and turns it, so you can break it loose. Yeah, because you're supposed to thumb. They're supposed to be thumb tight, but they end up being uh, way a lot, tighter than uh, that. Yeah, a lot tighter than that. And so, because you don't want them to come undone while you're uh, while you're anchored, for example, you don't want them to come undone while you're under sail. Yeah. So, did you get that email I sent you about? Uh, oh, sharpening uh, lawnmower blades. Yes, yes. Yes. And um, and I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, you know, a lot of guys do that. They sharpen their blades and they they turn them blue. Yeah. And they typically ruin the ruin the heat treat on the blade when they do that. Right. Cuz they heat them up. Well, you can so here's my answer. Um the guy asked whether or not you can use a grinding wheel like the kind you buy at like your hardware store to sharpen your uh lawnmower, lawnmower blades. Blade. And the answer is yes, you absolutely can, um, but you're going to have to go really slow, um, right? And only only keep the only keep the uh, blade on there for like a, a second at a time, 
and yep. have your have your hand on the blade so that you can feel if it gets hot. If it gets remotely well, hot, stop. And put it put it in a bucket of water. Yeah, just have a bucket of water by there. That'd be yeah. That's an okay yep. way. Because you do should it. you should really take them. I mean, to really to sharpen them the right way, you should take them off. Yeah. Instead of trying to sharpen them on the on the lawnmower blade, but a lot of guys will. They want to sharpen them on the. They don't want to take them off. Yeah. So they just flip the lawnmower on its side and they grind them with the grinder, and then they turn them blue, and that takes the temper out of the out of the steel, and all of a sudden they get dull all the time. So that's that's kind of why they. Uh, um, like when you're making a knife and you do that, you pretty much ruin the heat treat uh-huh. on, your, on your finished grinds. So, and then um, the other question is: uh, so getting getting back to the um, to those pocket tools again. Uh, the other the other thing is is like I I just don't carry them because like I'll have like a real crowbar in my trunk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, it's 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 kind of funny because you think about. I mean, I carry a lot of shit in my pockets already. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have room for another thing that's I may or may not use. I mean, what? Who the hell's going to use a freaking little pry bar that's a, like a six, pry bar like, that's an like, inch long? Like, yeah, what are you going to do I with use my that? Fingernails. Yeah. Like so, I just I, I mean I know that people like them and they're all the rage and you know if you yeah, guys want to buy them that's great. I just, cute. Yeah, I just don't personally have much of a use for them. Um, so that's all I know. Um, You're going to hell for that. You know, that's blasphemy. Yeah, I know. I'm not supposed to say anything like that. But, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, listen, that's why there's more than one option, more than one knife company, yeah. more than, <laughs> yep. you know, because, yep. you know, do what you like. Um, they're just, I just don't carry them. I like a, uh, a multi-tool. Um, I like this uh, Swiss Army, so the Victorinox uh, Swiss tool. Um, I like the Leatherman Juice too. And if mm-hmm. I'm going to carry something, that's probably what I'm going to carry because it's it's more of a functional thing for me than one of those little tools. Right. Um, but they're cute. They're cute, and they poke holes in your pocket. You put them on your keychain. They they wreck your ignition because they're too heavy. Right. <laughs> All the- <laughs> You know, and they they make them out of titanium, and I think yeah. a lot of a lot of that came from these guys that have their uh, custom knife making these custom folders. Um, also have access to CNC, but you know they just can't be making like a billion of these custom folders. So uh, you know they end up um, doing a run of these uh, pocket tools for people that can't have one of their you know well, custom folders. Well, the other thing too is they have. Uh... Um, they have, uh, they, when they nest some of those things together, when they water jet or water jet that stuff out, a lot of times they'll have cutouts and so they'll make something out of the cutout, Uh you know, leftover stuff. And so they'll make some kind of a, some kind of a pocket tool. Yeah. 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 And then, and then they can, they can use all their little, whatchamacallit. That's a good point. I didn't think of that. Yeah, that's that's pretty. That's typically why those those things end up. Okay, one last thing I wanted to draw your attention to, um, and I I did hadn't heard of it before like Thursday. So in Iowa, um, we there was a school that had like a bomb threat or something like this, and uh, they were they kept talking about this yik yak. I'm like, what the hell is this? Well, apparently. Um, Fairly new. Um, I 
I mean, it's, it's been around since about, about a year, but uh, really hasn't taken off much until recently. There's this app for your phone called Yik Yak. And basically what it does is uh, it, it takes your GPS coordinates and then you can comment, you can say something anonymously, but it will own, the only people that will be able to see it are people within like a certain radius of you. So like typically it's like a mile and a half. Or it might be your whole town if there's not many people living in your town, right? And it's a it's a free app, um, but like it's the ultimate like trolling thing. <laughs> so like um, you can troll people at Walmart, uh, <laughs> you know. Oh well, isn't I mean, isn't the object of that? Isn't that for like your you have all your friends. I mean, I can see this as like a high school thing. Yeah, it you is. You have all your friends have, have this, and they're saying, okay, we're going to meet at Guernsey's. Or, right. Or whatever little diner that they hang out at. And and so that anybody that's in a, a mile or whatever it is from your spot knows that you're there and we're all going to go there. Right. Well, that and then, you know, people like, well, so you can look at different parts of the country, but you can't comment. So I'm going to look at what they're saying in up by where you live now. Um, one says, uh, go wings. So I don't know what that means. Another one says, fuck Pelston. Oh. Um, <laughs> another one says so much ass at this regional game. Uh, let's see. How do you, how do you look at the, at the, um, where the spot is? Well, it'll, it'll, uh, if you load the app on your phone, it'll automatically, um, It'll automatically go to where you are, so within a whatever radius you are, it'll automatically go there. But then there's like a little button for peak, and you can look. So I've looked at uh, Pelston, and where you live, and uh, Traverse City, and you know different different places. You can see what they're yakking about. It's typically like young folks that are using it. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's just craziness, and you control people with global warming on there. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> so I, I'm assuming that you've been doing this. Yeah, well, I I've been I trolled some somebody with uh their global warming stuff and uh like it got deleted. Like if you get like enough downvotes, uh you'll they'll just automatically delete your thing and I think it's like 5. So um I've trolled Walmart a couple times and uh usually that gets deleted like right away. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that are on this, huh? Well, it, it depends on where you are. Um, I think it's just now taking off. Like, even in my little small town, there's a few people on it. But, like, if you go to a college campus, it's, like, that's how they're doing it now. And so what, so in Iowa, yeah, that's the way they, they called in the bomb threat was because? They called in a bomb threat to the school with this app. And then, well, you're you're completely anonymous unless you break the law. Like there's no way they can, anybody can figure out who you are or what you're doing. Um, but, but uh, if you break unless, the law, unless you break the law, yeah, then they'll give the stuff to the law enforcement people. So, yeah, okay. so what's been happening is like if if this app like gets discovered by some high school kid and then he tells like a few other people, then they'll just sit on there and just bash the hell out of other people in the high school, and it causes like mass hysteria. That's funny. I know. So it's bullying too, huh? Yeah, yeah, they're just but anyway, so I just uh wanted to draw your attention to that and that it's actually happening in your area. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to look and see if I can have some fun with that. It is. It's fun. And uh 
you know, you can look at other places, but you can't comment on anything or upvote or downvote anything unless you're physically there. So it's it's how how what's the distance? It's like a mile and a half. It depends, but the the one for where you live and the one for Pelston is the same. Yeah. So I'm and I know you're further apart. So it just may be that there's not enough people in uh, in in that area using it. So they've widened the geographic area quite a bit. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it's interesting that people are doing. There's there's a. Uh, I know 20 years ago I was saying I'm not understanding why the why this isn't catching on locally. You know why local businesses are not using this internet thing, um, the way some of these national companies are. Everybody was thinking globally at that time, and mm-hmm. and I was thinking, God, they could. There's a lot you could do locally with this. Yeah, with this with this new internet thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the and then you know the 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 closest thing I can liken it to is like a CB radio. Right. Only with a voice disguiser that every time you click the mic, it'll put a different voice disguise thing on there. Hey, hey, good buddy. Yeah, exactly. And then What's the your... next time it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know. I, I thought I'd just draw our, our listeners attention to it. So was it you, I was talking to the other day about, you mentioned global warming about the astronaut. That's a, oh yeah. That's a weather guy. Yeah, and he said that he he claimed the thirty year cycle thing. He's like, you, you people are all so full of shit. He said it's just a thirty year cycle. He said now we're starting the thirty year cold cycle. Yeah, well, it's pretty so, cold. <laughs> yeah, I think he's right. Yeah, I think he's right. Well, but he, he was he was he's like um I, he was like a meteorologist. That's that's what his he's got like a doctorate degree in in weather. Yeah, and uh, weather patterns and stuff and. Uh, well, my so grandpa kinda... was a navy, uh, a navy weatherman guy, mm-hmm. and he he was, I think he was part of the, part of the, group that helped forecast the weather for the D-Day landing and stuff. Oh yeah. Um, but he always thought it was a bunch of shit. Um, yeah. You know, because back back when he would bitch about it, it was because they were talking about global cooling. Yeah. <laughs> and now yeah. it's like global warming. But he's he's not really around anymore to give any kind of an opinion on it. But I I can tell you what his opinion would be. It's full of shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like know to much think else. that we do it here. I don't either. I gotta go. My wife is. Yeah. Starting to scream at me a little bit about. We've got all this company coming. Like, my kids are going to be here for, like, a week. Huh. And i got to get the house ready to go and help her out. And i got to get some I got to get some meat tossed on the smoker, and I'm going to cold smoke a couple of pieces of uh, bacon. Oh, cool. Or a couple of Canadian bacon. Yeah. And uh, get that squared away. And So, with that, um, I think we're... If you got nothing else... i got nothing else. Okay. Um... Like us on Facebook, uh, Knife Journal Podcast. Come to uh, theknifejournal.com, where the, we have a forum there. And um, send your emails to, if you have any questions, to uh, podcast at knifejournal.com. And we will read them or address them on the air best we can. And uh, you can find Kyle at uh, KR Versteg. 
yep, me, on Facebook. James Noka on Facebook. And um, we have Instagram accounts and actually didn't even Instagram anything this time. Hmm. I think I'll have to Instagram my Stormy Cromer hat. There you go. <laughs> and, <laughs> hang on a second and I'll actually do that right now. Well, I got your face on the screen. I'll put mine shoot on. A, shoot a picture of it. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, trying to think knife-wise. Yeah, check out Sean Hatcher Knives. I like his stuff, and he was uh, pretty helpful when I had that problem with the... Uh, uh, the Hamon lines. Oh, cool. Yeah, so he, he had some good suggestions. Um. Stormy discussion. <laughs> and check out Stormy Cromer hats. They I know they sell them a lot of times at Cabela's. Uh, and uh, you can get them at Shields if you have those around you. They, um, uh, the other thing they do too is, um, uh, they have coats and they used to have wool shirts too, but I guess they just discontinued the wool shirts. Huh. They, they have coats and vests. Cool. So. All right. Well. With that, keep your knife sharp and your friends sharper and we will catch up with you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.